Last week, we started talking about a subject I entitled, A Heart in Pursuit of God. I want to continue with that um, sermon, if you like. Hallelujah. In Pursuit of God. We read 2 Kings chapter number 18, verses 1 through to 7. 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 through to 7. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the king of the son of Eli, the king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. <clears throat> he was 25 years old when he became king and reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His, mother, his mother's name was Abi. Abi, did, did you have a child called Hezekiah? I think you should be having a child called Hezekiah. The, the daughter of Zechariah. And he, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden images and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until now, until those days, the children of Israel bent incense to it and called it Nehush, Nehush Satan, Nehushtan, whatever his name is. And he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. He held fast to the Lord and he did not depart from following him but kept the commandments which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him and he prospered wherever he went and he rebelled against king, the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Hallelujah. Now, we said this month is a month that we are going to pursue God. We are going to get to know God well. I want to ask you a few questions, or I want to speak to you on how well do you know God? How well do you know God? How well do you know God? Some know him. Some don't know him at all. Those who are not saved do not know him at all. That's number one category. Number two, some know him casually. They know him because uh, they heard of him. Uh, you see that in this part of the world, the church is only used for three things. For birth, they have to go and pour water on the head of the baby or christening uh, or baptism. And then secondly, they go to church for wedding and Finally, they go to church for funeral. So they know God casually. Because three times in their lifetime of many years, they visit or they see the house of God. One of them is when they are dead. The other is when they are a baby. And the third one is when they are getting married. All of which they spend not more than an hour in the building. Then... Number three, they know him. Some know him informationally. 
Because they may have read about him. They may have heard sermons about him. They may have read books about him. So they have information of who he is, but they don't have a relationship. Number four, some know him religiously. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then they feel, they feel something. When they feel goosebumps, then they say the Lord is here. Because they feel something. So it's a religious knowledge. They know him by feeling. Hallelujah. Some also know him religious, I mean, programmatically. Programmatically, they know him when there's a program. When there's a program and they attend a program, then they get to know him. 31st night, Christmas or Easter. They have to do five lessons or seven lessons of Christmas. A few lessons of Easter. That is how they know God. Hallelujah. Last week, I, was, I, I used an example of knowing, getting to know my wife as the same as pursuit of God. Hallelujah. In fact, the word Abraham, uh, Adam knew his wife. And to know God in the Hebrew is one, the same word. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Have you read the scripture where it says that and Abraham knew his wife and begat? And this one knew this and begat. That word is the same word as to know God. It is trying to show you the intimacy that, it's, that is attached to the knowledge of God. I said to you last week that I saw her casually. Then I approached her. I wanted to know about her. Are you with me? Then we move from just getting a casual knowledge of her to finding out who she was and then moving on from getting her phone number and then we started conversations and the conversations went on and went on and went on and went on till one day I took her to a date and then we had date and date until one day I popped the question would you marry me? And you see, before I could finish, would you? She said yes. So, so my question didn't end. And I got an answer. Some of you, when you say would you, you say I'm going to think about it. Yeah, it means you are not doing your job well. Anyway, moving forward. I was trying, oh, please, stop it. I'm just trying to make you understand that getting, who said chapter? Where is Breezy? I was going to say something, but I won't say it. Some people are tempting me. Let me preach my word and go home. Hallelujah. So, you see, it moved on from that to now, getting to know her, we moved on from there. We got married. And then from getting married, we got to know each other intimately. So that we don't even have to open our mouths to talk. But we know what each other is thinking. Because we, our move, uh, uh, knowledge of each other has moved on. 
Can you see the progression? In the same way, your relationship with God must progress. It must not be a static knowledge. I knew her as a lady that lived in uh, Southern Gateway, number 70 Southern Gateway. But you see, just knowing that she lives in Southern Gateway wouldn't... Uh, you get what I'm saying? We had to move from Southern Gateway to... Oh, I shouldn't say dumb things. Okay, stop. I'll stop. Hallelujah. So moving on, moving on. Let's talk about this king. Because the way she's looking at me, I know I'll get in trouble, so let me preach quickly. King Ezekiah was one of the normal kings. In fact, he preceded, he, he succeeded uh, a king who was the worst. I think it was Ahab or something he was called. He was the worst king. He was the most wicked king. And this guy came. When he came, he came with a few principles. And I want us to look at the principles of Hezekiah to show us the principles that we need to adopt if we are going to get to know God very well. But before that, I want us to read a scripture in Jeremiah. Come with me to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. That says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty glory in his might. Let not the rich glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in this I delight, says the Lord. Hallelujah. He says that let not the wise boast in his wisdom, the strong in his might, the rich in his riches. But let, if there's anyone who has to boast, let them boast in the fact that they know me. Hallelujah. We need to learn how to find our self-worth in our knowledge of God. Are you with me? For a lot of ladies, we derive our self-worth in being Mrs. Brinkinstein. Uh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. It's like, I am Mrs. Don't you know that? You know oh, Miss. No, Mrs. I am not Miss. I am Mrs. Brinkinstein. Because they know how much they sweated to become Mrs. Uh, you get what I'm saying? So they derive the sense of achievement and sense of essence in the fact that they are Mrs. Somebody. But I want you to know that your essence is not in your wisdom, is not in your wealth, is not in what you have achieved, but your essence must be in the fact that you know God and God knows you. You have an intimate relationship with God himself. Hallelujah. Not just a God you have heard your mother pray to. Or the God your father prayed to. No, no, no. 
your own God. In fact, in the, in the Bible, we have, in the Old Testament, we have major prophets and we have minor prophets. Do you know what differentiates them? Apart from the, the prophecies they had or they gave, what differentiates them is their level of interaction with God. So those who interacted with only a few interactions with God and had a few revelations, we call them minor prophets. The ones that had a longer interaction with God, we call them major prophets. In, in the same vein, we can call minor Christians and major Christians. Some had just one chapter. Just one chapter. Some had two chapters. Some three. Some had 60 chapters. Some had 30 something chapters. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because they are major prophets. What made them major? Because of their level of interaction. Are you with me? I mean, if, if my wife is talking about men in her life, I am a major man. <laughs> oh, you don't get what I'm saying. If I'm talking about major women that have influenced my life, she's a major person. I, I, oh, you don't get what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm trying to use this type of example so you can understand. Hallelujah. Yeah, so... What will make you a major Christian is not just coming to church. It's not just your casual, you know, attendance, your casual interaction with God. You are a minor Christian. In fact, you are not a Christian at all because you don't even have a chapter. Whilst people are writing 60 chapters, you are just writing a pamphlet, a paragraph. <laughs> hey, I'm getting into trouble. Let me run. Let me run. Anytime you see me come here, it means I'm coming to seek immunity. Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. He will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Hallelujah. What he's saying is that we need to forsake our unrighteous ways and move towards God, return to God, because God is waiting for you. When you return, he will pardon and you will interact. Hallelujah. God is a form of the prodigal son's father. He's standing longing for you to come. The Bible says that when he saw him afar off, he ran towards his son and kissed him because he saw an effort from the son towards him. It's time for us to move from this casual uh, uh, relationship, you know, programmatical relationship and, and all those type of relation, intellectual relationship, move from there to experience him. Get to have an intimate relationship. Get to pursue him. Hallelujah. Pursue God. So let's look at the principle. The first principle is the principle of repentance. Hallelujah. The first principle is the principle of repentance. You need to get to a place where your hands are washed and clean. 
because you cannot go to God with all the filth. How many know that you cannot go to a big man's place, a house or the Buckingham Palace looking shabby? You will not be let in. You haven't washed for days. And you want to come in. You will not be allowed. You want to go and visit King Charles. No, no, no. Joel chapter 2 verse 13 says, I rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger for he is great in kindness and he relents from doing harm. Hallelujah. So you've got to learn to rend your hearts. Learn to rend your hearts. The Bible says that as soon as Hezekiah came into office at the age of 25. The first thing he did was to take away the gods. He decided to take away the idols. You know, one thing I didn't understand is why did the people decide to worship the snake that Moses had erected? That snake was supposed to be healing for the people. Because God told Moses, erect that uh, bronze serpent. When the people who have been bitten by a snake look at the serpent, immediately they will receive healing. But you know something? We Christians will turn anything godly into fetishism. Everything, we will turn it into a god. The day you came to church and the pastor laid hands and you receive your healing, every time you want that thing to be done because it becomes your god. Hallelujah. One thing that works has to work every time. So now Moses is long gone. But they decided that they'll be pouring incense and they'll be uh, sacrificing to that snake. They gave it a name. Something stand. Jehushatan or Jehushatan. They call it something. And they start to worship it. It's happening today in the house of God. One thing that happened, worked for well for you immediately, you make an altar to it. That is what is making us chase after these type of prophets. You went to a prophet and he spoke and the thing was true or went, it came to pass. Immediately, now you don't do anything without consulting that prophet. You have made that prophet into a medium. Hallelujah. But that's not what this guy did. He said, take away all the gods. Take everything. We want to clean our hearts. Amen. Sometimes we as Christians, we like to repent. But we repent and stay in the filth. How can you bath and stay in debt? You bath in mud and stay in the mud. Now what's the point in having a bath? What you need to do is that once you have had a bad move from that filth, never to return to it. Amen. Hallelujah. Go back to the scripture uh, we read about Hezekiah. It says that now it came to pass when he became king. Next, go, go down, go down. At the age of 25, he became king. His mother, okay, go on, next verse. 
He did what was right. Go on, next one. He removed, I'm looking for, he removed. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He broke in pieces the bronze serpent Moses had made. He, he decided that I'm going to repent properly. You can never start your journey towards the pursuit of God without total and full repentance. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? You need to learn how to become fully repentant, fully committed towards God. Not I've repented, but I'm keeping three boyfriends. I'm, I, 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 I had five. Now I'm just left with only three. No. See, when you read Chronicles, you see that everybody, every king that came, he did what was evil in the sight of God. He did what was evil in the sight of God. Only a few of them, you see, he did what was right in the sight of God. Some of them, he did what was evil in the sight of God because he took away three wrong things and kept one. He removed everything, but he did not take away the high places. He did everything, but he left this one. He did everything, but he left that one. But the total summary of that person's mark is that he did what was evil in the sight of God. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? Because he, even though he did right, he left one thing wrong. So I'm challenging all of us that in this month of our pursuit towards God, let us do what is right totally. Don't leave one thing out. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm trying to say? Fully, when you are breaking it, break it. You are breaking that relationship. Don't keep their number. Control, alt, delete, and block. Go to recycle bin and totally empty it and put a block on it. Change your number. Move houses. Yeah. You see, to break an idol is not to uh, keep it somewhere you don't see. No. Break and burn it. Hallelujah. So, hashtag Nehushtan must die. When you go put it on your, ask your neighbor, are you, have you um, subscribed to the church's social media? Ask them, if they haven't done that, I'm giving 30 seconds, do that now. Do that now. Do it on YouTube, on Inter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Please do that now. Do that now. You subscribe onto nonsense. The thing, the right thing that you need to subscribe on, you don't. I want to see our YouTube number move from where it is to 500, at least, by the end of today. So make sure. And we have a podcast that is coming up. We already have it. So there's a lot of traffic going to come on there. So we'll be discussing a lot of things 
a lot of things that bothers our minds as Christians. Anyways, let's move on. Number two principle. The second principle was the principle of obeying the word. Hallelujah. Obedience. The flip side to getting rid of repentance is obedience. After you have repented, be fully obedient to the word of God. Hallelujah. If you want to seek God, have a heart that obeys his word. In Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of part of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he what? Meditates day and night. And he says that that man, somebody say that man, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in a season whose leaf shall never wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Then he goes on to say, but the ungodly are not so. They are like chaff that is blown away. See, when he says ungodly, he didn't say that they're unchristian. He didn't say that they're unbelieving. He says they are ungodly believers. They are ungodly Christians. They are ungodly church members who are in the house of God, but they don't avoid the way of sinners. They don't avoid the seat of the scorners. They don't avoid the counsel of the wicked. Are you with me? So even though they are called Christians, they get ungodly advice and they attempt ungodly that are blown away by the chaff. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? So learn how to be obedient to the word. When uh, Joshua was going to lead in, in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, he says that this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. For it will make and observe to do according to what is written therein. For it will make your way prosperous and give you good success. Hallelujah. You need to learn how to take. You see, the reason why you, when you read the Bible, you don't get revelation is because you haven't obeyed what you read. The last one you read. Uh, can I say that again? The reason why when you read, somebody reads and gets a lot of revelation, but you read and everything's blank, all you see is letters and words and you feel sleepy, is because you're not obeying the word. Because when you obey, then God gives you more revelation. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. The more you are obedient you are, the more revelation you see. The more you, you, God knows he can trust you, then he shows who you are, who he is. More and more. Hallelujah. Would you expose yourself to a guy who is promiscuous, who is chasing all the girls around, and they come to you? When they ask you for the, uh, your phone number, what would you do? You give them the wrong numbers. Or you will not give them your number at all. How many understand that? Because you know that this guy is not a serious person. So you don't want to waste your time with the person. 
Can you understand that? In the same way, God knows that you are not a serious person. So he doesn't want to waste his time with you. So that is why you read the Bible and say, bleh. As soon as you take the Bible, you feel sleepy. Because the few that you know, you haven't used it. You haven't obeyed it. You haven't worked in it. So why would he give you more? The, the scripture says Hezekiah, he was taught the word by his mother and he obeyed it. Let's go, go back to the scripture. Let me show you. Go to, what verses we get to? Verse 2. No, go on, go on. I want to show you subsequent verse. Go down, go down. We, what did we get? We got to, after breaking the, okay, go on. No, next one. Five. He trusted in the Lord, or the God of Israel, so that after him was none like him amongst all the kings of Judah, nor was anyone like him before. Hallelujah. He trusted and walked in the word of God. Verse six. He held fast to the Lord and did not depart from following him. He kept the commandments which the Lord had commanded Moses. He kept the word. The, word, the, the, the phrase to keep the word means to obey the word, to do the word. Not just memorizing it, but he did the word. How many understand that? He did the word. He was obedient to the word. That is what made him Somebody that God could rely on. How many parents like your children who obey your, your word? It's very, very normal. Your child who is obedient is a child that you always want to give something to. The child you want to bless all the time. The child you're always there for. Why? Because they're obedient. The child who is always disobedient and always causing trouble... You are always having to discipline. You don't. You just you keep him as a child. You can't you can't sack him. You can't reject him. So you keep him, but you keep him at an arm's length. See, they say a mother's love, a father's love is for all the children, but it's not true. A father loves the children according to who they are. A mother loves the children, but the one that is good, they love them more. Oh, you don't want me to say that. And God is the same. God is a, God loves all his children, but he loves some more. He listens to some more. He's very selective. Because the more you obey, the more you endear yourself to him. The more you hear, the more he will reveal himself. The more he'll give you secrets. Not every child knows the father's secrets. Not every child has the father's, uh, what do you call it, bank cards and bank pin numbers and everything. Not every child. There are some children who have, that is all that is uh, properties they know, they have access to. Why? Because of the trust. Hallelujah. So number one principle Repentance, number two. Number three. Number three is prayer. Fervent prayer. You're seeking God. 
To seek God means to call upon. The word prayer is the word communication, conversation. I could never have known my wife to the extent I know her without communication. Isn't that true? You can never know anybody or have any relationship with anybody without communication. Is the measure or the, the propensity to which the, you communicate is the same proportion to which the relationship grows. It's, it has a, 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 is it linear correlation? Directly proportional correlation? Psalm 18 verse 3. So I was trying to do maths there. Call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 18 verse 1, the Bible says, And Jesus said, gave a parable to this wise that men always ought to pray and not to faint. Hallelujah. It says that men always ought to what? The word ought means that it is necessary that men pray. Ought means that it is compulsory. It is something that you have to do. It's a must. You must pray. You must pray. You can never know God without prayer. Some of you, when you start praying, they fall asleep. Your prayer doesn't go more than three seconds. It's the same level of your knowledge to God. You can never convince me that you know God if your prayer doesn't move past three, three minutes or five minutes. The reason I'm saying that is that everything spiritual has its direct mirror image physical. How can you say you know somebody when you only speak to him up to three minutes? Hi, hi, how are you? Hi, bye. Are you, are you okay? Have you eaten? No. If that's all the conversation I've had with you, I don't know you. So I've been in the church for five years. Yeah, but the conversation we've had is only up to two minutes, three minutes. Then we don't know each other. Do you know what makes me happy? Do you know what makes me angry? You don't. I'm not saying I'm God, but I'm saying that in human terms, if you don't develop a relationship with anybody, Without talking. It is not possible. The more you talk, the more you develop the relationship, the more you get to know each other. In the same way, the more you pray, the more you get to know who God is. Hallelujah. If you don't know how to pray, you don't know God. And to the the specific person. Yes. The amount of time lock and the, the number of calls to that person. Back to back. Because they are in the process of knowing each other. I hope the same call lock and amount is also locked on prayer. I just hope. If you talk to a man more than you talk to God, there's a problem. Sila. 
When you read the Bible, it says, see, that means pause, think about it, and continue. Hallelujah. Amen. How many understand that? I want you to understand that prayer is like oxygen to a Christian. Without prayer, you are suffocating and you are dying. Amen. That is why you must learn to join every time prayer happens. How many of you, you can't pray by yourself. It's, it's hard. It's true. Sometimes it's hard. But that's why people who can pray helps you to pray. That's why you must learn to join energy. From two to from ten to twelve is two hours. It will teach you how to pray. We have midday prayers. One hour. Join and pray. I have I have a, a, a certain a, a, a person who says that. The energio, he does it two times every day. So in the morning, he does it. So you you replay and pray with it. And in the evening, he replay and play with it. I pray with it. Hallelujah. But there are some in the church who will not even turn it on. But they'll say, that, oh, I know him. I, I am in his church. He's my pastor. He's my father. He's my papa. Okay. Whatever. Hallelujah. No. It is getting to communicate with God. There's this guy. He's always, I don't know him, but he's always forcing anytime. Because of him, I don't even go on social media. Because as soon as he sees me on it, he has to come in. Papa, Papa. No, I don't know the guy. <laughs> he wants to talk to me badly. <laughs> he, he's like, he's talking me. <laughs> yeah. See, at the point, I had to relent and say hello. Because, ah, what do you want? And I'm just an ordinary man. But God is the same. The more you pursue him, the more at the point he will just have to stop and talk to you and, and begin a relationship with you. Hallelujah. Number three, number four. Number four principle is being, gathering with others in the house of God, seeking God with others. Hallelujah. You cannot get to know God by yourself alone. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 20 to 23. He says that, that says the Lord, people shall yet come, inhabitants of many cities. Quickly, son. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will also go. Yes, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and pray before the Lord. Hallelujah. That says the Lord of hosts. In those days, ten men shall, from one language of the nation, shall grasp the sleeves of a Jewish man and say, let us 
go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Hallelujah. These are people who want to go to the house of God. Bible says the iron sharpens iron, so a man the countenance of his brother. When we gather together to pray, we sharpen each other. That is why in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, and do not neglect the assembling of ourselves together. And so much the more when you see the evil days approaching. There are some who have a manner of not gathering. We cannot be sure you'll be in the house of God. They say, our oh, God is in my heart. I don't have to be in church to, to know God. No, no, no. Yes, it's true. You, God is in everybody's heart. But once you are staying by and isolating, you are dying. When you take a coal of fire and you isolate, I don't care how red hot it is. It's only a matter of time that coal will turn into ashes and die off. Because if you are by yourself, that rubbing of each other dies. How many are learning something you didn't know today? As I'm talking, you are learning something. If you are not in the house of God, would you hear this? So you say, I know God in my heart. But you won't hear the things you need to hear. That will make you burn more for God. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you, you deceive yourself into thinking that you know God. You know God. Meanwhile, you are dying. I serve God alone. I serve God by myself. Then you start to accuse the church and the people in the church to make you feel okay in not being in the house of God. But I want you to repent from that thing. Listen, as bad as the ark was, as smelly as the ark of Noah was, it was the safest place to be. Every other place was flooded. And Oh, you didn't hear what I said. You missed a good place to put your hands together. So I'll say it again. I said, as smelly as the ark of God was, uh, of most, uh, Noah was, as Ugly as it may have been, the stench. Can you imagine the number of animals in living a small space? The number of, of uh, stench, that, the amount of stench that will be made there. But as ugly as it is, it was the safest place to be. Because outside of that place, you will drown. Are you with me? Outside of the ark of God, you are going to drown. Just for me, I don't want people smell. I don't want to be offended by anybody. So I am going to stay on a hill. You just be there. It's only a matter of time. You start swimming with the fishes. And you will end up dead. Hallelujah. The, listen, I, I want you to understand that the house of God is the best place and the safest place to be. With all our, our samwayness, all our messiness and everything, this is still the best place to be. Tell your neighbor, he's talking to you now. As bad as the house of God is. Listen, is the house of God not full with, with sinners, people who gossip, people who annoy you, people who offend you? Yeah, we are in close proximity, so I'll step on your foot. As you step on mine. But we are still in the best place. Because outside, it's raining. Tell somebody, it's raining outside. And that rain won't stop. 
that rain is going to flood the whole world and kill everybody. So you better stay in the boat. That is your safest place. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, you better stay in the boat. As much as you are annoyed, stay in the boat. As much as you are offended, stay in the boat. Your safest bet is to be in the boat. Yeah, they criticized me in the boat, but still stay in the boat. They offended me in the boat, still stay in the boat. <laughs> if your beloved leaves, you stay in the boat. Hey, Pastor Kieran. I didn't say that. Yes. Some people leave church because somebody broke up with them. That is pathetic. Mercy. All right. Let me go on before I get into trouble. Amen. Principle number four. Let me give you principle number four. Then we close. Number five. Principle number five. The principle of working in the house of God. Principle of working in the house of God. Come with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verse 20 and 21. 2 Chronicles 31, verse 20 to 21. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law, in the commandment to seek God, and he did it with all his heart, so he prospered. Hallelujah. In the service of God, in the house of God, Hezekiah gave his best. Oh, I don't know whether you understood what I'm saying. Listen, all of us in this room learn to do something in the house of God. Because it draws you closer to God. Don't let anybody rob you of your service in the house of God. Eh, pastor, they offended me, so me have left. I won't, I won't sing again. I won't usher again. I won't pray again. I won't, on the prayer, the director says, uh, he doesn't like my face when I'm praying. So, Don't allow anybody to rob you from your service. Listen, the more you work in the house, the longer you stay. Can I say that again? I've been, I've been doing this work for a long time. And I can tell you for a fact that when you are working in the house, it cements you. When you stop working, you become idle. Before you realize, you are blown away. Because when you are idle, you lose focus. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? You lose focus. And Satan knows that. So what Satan will do, Satan won't drive you from the church. He won't drive you out. What would you do is offend you in the place where you are cemented. So as for me, I'll stop everything, but I'll be coming to church. Then before you realize, something else important distracts you. Because you are not working, now you can afford not to come to church and nobody will notice do you get it? Then you become infrequent. You're, 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 you become irregularly, regularly irregular. Regularly irregular in church. 
and then you progress from there to irregularly irregular. And then before you realize, you are somewhere else. Now you see, oh, I visit churches. So you visit, you visit, visit. After a while, you get bored and you stop. And to stop, you criticize everybody. They are all the same. They are all bad people. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? Don't allow anybody, don't allow anybody to drive you. Listen to what Jesus said. Listen to what Jesus said. In Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40. And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Hallelujah. How many know that your intelligence, your intelligence is in your mind? This is the first and great commandment. Your mind, use your intellect, intellect use all your skills in the house of God. Learn to work in the house of God. That's what Hezekiah did. Hallelujah. Now, how many remember the story in Isaiah? When Isaiah went and told King Hezekiah that he was about to die. It's the same guy. He went and told this guy that, that says the Lord, prepare your house because you are about to die. Listen to what the conversation this guy had with God. We close with this. Are you ready? Okay. Can you look for that scripture for me? Isaiah 38. I think verse 1, isn't it? In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah, Isaiah the, the, the prophet, son of Amos, went to him and said, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Next verse. Then Hezekiah turned. You see, this guy is a prayerful guy already. Unlike other kings, he was a prayerful guy. So he turned his face to the wall. He says, I know how to deal with this issue. Other, if he had been any other king, as soon as Ahab, when the prophet said, when Elijah said that there's no rain, he was helpless. Isaiah came and said that you are going to die. Which one is more serious? There won't be rain, and you are going to die. I think you are going to die is more serious. As soon as he heard that, he didn't even bother in, uh, exchanging words like Ahab did with, with Elijah, Elijah. No, no, he didn't bother. He turned his face to the wall, and he began to pray. Verse 3. And he said, remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked in truth. How I have been, have, and with a loyal heart, I have done what is good in your sight. 
And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, that says the Lord God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer and I've seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. See, obeying God, praying, and being a worker in the house of God buys you life. It buys you health. It buys you peace. I remember one day I, I read a scripture and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And as soon as I read that scripture, I had a revelation that this guy made a covenant with God that there will not be any day that I will not be present in the house of the Lord. So I also made that covenant with God. That's over nearly 30 years ago. I made that covenant. That there won't be any Sunday that I will not be caught in the house of God. Guess what? From that day to today, there hasn't been a Sunday that I've missed church. Which means that there hasn't been a Sunday that I'm too sick to be in the house of God. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. It means that even when I'm on holiday, I will find a place to go. I've been to Spanish Catholic churches and sat there as the other. I don't understand anything, but I'm in the house of God. I've been to uh, Greece. They were they were praying, they were preaching, and we were sitting there. But we are in the house of God. Because the covenant I made that I will be in the house of God every Sunday. It means that God is also has to hold his end of bargain, make sure that I am always in good health, sane enough, good enough to be in the house of God every Sunday. To be able to get to the house of God. Hallelujah. Hezekiah made a covenant with God. And so God had no option but to add 15 years to his life. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. He pursued God to the point that God had to act. His time of death had come. But somehow, he prolonged it for 15 years. There's no other person in the Bible who has prolonged his days beyond, apart from Hezekiah the king. He was not a prophet. He was not a priest. He was just a king. But he had his pursuit of God drove God to the point that God did what he wasn't going to do. Prophet uh, uh, Isaiah didn't get home. He was still in the court. He was walking towards the gates. When the word of the Lord came back to him, that return, go back to the king. And he said, that, King, I said that you're going to die, but I've, God has changed his mind. And it's added 15 more years. Can you make God change his mind? The scripture, go back to uh, the, our main text, and you see that. God added wealth, riches, and honor to the prophet, uh, to the king. Verse, verse 6 and 7. Give me verse 7. The Lord was with him and prospered, and he prospered wherever he went. Hallelujah. He prospered wherever he went. Whatever he did, he prospered. 
In Matthew 6, 33, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added to you. Everything else that you need, God will add to you. As you pursue God with your, your heart, with your mind, with your soul, you pursue him with your intellect, you, do, you work in the house of God, you are buying health, you are buying peace, you are buying prosperity, you are buying wealth, you are buying long days on earth. Stand to your feet.